Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Now, we all certainly know what's going on uh, in Canada today and, and some of the tensions uh, between East and West and North and South and Left and Right and Up and Down. And <laughs> it just seems to be never ending. And uh, certainly uh, the situation we know uh, with the rail blockades that have been happening over the last three weeks and discussions with the Wet'suwet'en um, uh, indigenous communities and who speaks for them, hereditary chiefs, elected band councils, what has happened over this past weekend and some sort of agreement that has been reached in regard to uh, land title and rights and such, which we're still waiting to hear about. Um, obviously, it's a it's a pretty precarious time for the prime minister. Many complained that uh, for the two week first two weeks of the whole ro- ro- uh, rail blockade scenario, uh, he was uh, hopscotch uh, hop, uh, skipping across uh, Africa trying to secure a UN Council Security Council seat and not addressing this scenario. And, cer- and we certainly know what happened here. Uh, you were wondering how long it would take before uh, conservatives started. Uh, jumping up and down about an election. However, uh, they still do not have a leader at this point, but many are weighing in, uh, including Aaron O'Toole and Peter McKay, saying that they would call for an election uh, pretty quick if they were chose to lead the party. To talk more about all of this, Peter Wollstonecroft is with us, retired professor, political science, University of Waterloo, and he is with us now. Peter, thank you for the time. Much appreciated. You're welcome, Scott. Good afternoon to you. Uh, we certainly know what's been happening with rail blockades and discussions uh, with Indigenous communities and such over pipelines and land titleship uh, and, and such. Is this the time to be talking about an election? Uh, no, I don't think so. Surprise, uh, are you surprised though, to be though, hearing about that? Though, yeah, though, you know, frankly, most of the time people don't want to have uh, talk about having an election. Yeah. But, you know, I think we have to understand that uh, the uh, advisors around uh, Peter McKay asked the question, well, what's our strategic purpose here? What do we want to do? And we want to dominate the stage and we want to overawe our uh, competitors and uh, we want to attract attention, so our tactic will be to go for the easiest thing possible, call for call for an election uh, when you become the leader, and that won't happen until, as he says, I, I have his, somebody sent me the letter that he sent out, and he says we need an election in October, and uh, and and everybody's going to follow along, or at least most of the candidates have followed along. So Peter McKay looks like the leader because everybody else is a follower, and. Uh, but the reality is, uh, it's a long way uh, from now, it's a long way from June till October, what's going to happen. And, and the leadership uh, contest in June. Yeah. yeah. And, and the vote's on June the 27th. And, and the, the, I think it's also pretty clear that uh, the Green Party and the NDP and the Bloc do not want an election. Yeah. Uh, and so... And as Peter McKay says, we will defeat the minority government as soon as possible. Well, let, you know, I don't expect him to go into the footnotes here in a, in a, in a letter like this. Yeah. But however, the reality is the NDP is in no position. Anybody who knows anything about this knows that they've got big financial problems. Yeah. And they're not tracking well in the polls. So they're, the last thing they want is an election. Uh, and and they would rather work, work with a minority conservative government or a liberal government than a conservative government minority or majority, so that's not going to happen. But you know what? It gets the audience riled up. And the only audience that matters right now 
are members of the Conservative Party. The rest mm. of us uh, don't matter. Uh, it seems with what's been happening over the last uh, three weeks, um, I, I think Canadians have learned a lot about the process. We always hear how complicated this is, uh, you know, a, a multi-layered onion. Uh, this is an ongoing issue between Canada and Indigenous peoples and such. Are we starting to understand the more intricate issues of this. In other words, there's the issue of land title, which they talked about this weekend. There's the issue of pipelines, whether you're for or whether you're against, and also the issue of who represents the Indigenous community and how they govern themselves uh, between elected band councils and hereditary chiefs. Have we... It seems to me that Canadians seem to be more in touch with that as this discussion moves forward. Can the Conservatives use the same old playbook for where we are now? Because it seems we're in a different place now. Well, I, I, I follow you and I, and I agree with you. I, I think there has been uh, some awakening on this and, and the Conservatives under under Harper and under Scheer and under so far their, their candidates have have not shown, to my mind, and I'm, I'm sure there will people be yelling at me uh, for saying this, have not shown much appreciation. Um, and I think built into a lot of the conservative thinking, uh, I'm going more by what my conservative friends have said to me than any of the leading candidates and so on, but they have not yet shaken the conquest model. And yeah, yeah. what... I mean by that is they say, and, and more subtly than I'm going to put it, but that, well, we, con- we, we conquered Canada. Yeah. And what we put into place is, is our institutions and our culture and so on and so on. And I, I, have, I have in my wide family people who have said that to me. And, and, and so my reply is that in 2020, that kind of thinking doesn't hold. There's all kinds of things that that uh, we took for granted 20 years ago. But not only that uh, as well, Peter, but most of the Indigenous communities want this. And, you know, I, I talked to, to Ellis Ross, Skeena, MLA, and he said, you know, people say Indigenous uh, Truth and Reconciliation is dead. He goes, no, it's not. It's been around for 15 years, and my community's helping, this is helping my community lift itself uh, out of poverty. So it seems, well, and that I think that, and I think that's also part of the awakening, is because uh, everybody, everybody just thinks that uh, the indigenous community is on side with in the environmental side of this, and it seems that political parties and activists are cherry picking what they want from the Wet'suwet'en community when it best fits their agenda, but not listening to anybody else within yeah. the community. And, and, and I think the awakening is, is now we're realizing there are two sides to this story and the majority may not be here, may not be being heard here. Uh, uh, yeah. And I, I'd also say that you, it, it is across Canada, extraordinarily complicated when you talk about the indigenous community because yeah. you have to say communities and different structures, different cultural traditions, different kinds of precepts. Uh, and I, I, in, in my reading of things, there are many people in the indigenous communities who recognize that, that their situation requires, is predicated upon uh, resource development for improvement in their circumstances and to give people job opportunities and 
and and well, and, know, and it's giving them a seat at the table with the decision making process. And, and we we have come a long way uh, in Canada in, in in my time in this country. Are we are we admitting that? Because it seems that people are still trying to play the old playbook and not realizing that it's not Canada versus the Indigenous community anymore. That there are lots of relationships that are being cultivated well, here and have been beneficial. But, you know, but it, I, I think people are moving away from the conquest model. But they all they also uh, are coming to grips with with how how um, multitudinous the voices are and how many different kinds of issues have to be addressed, and and uh, you know I make the point that uh, many treaties are being abrogated, uh, broken. Uh, so why should Indigenous people trust us? And where I live. Uh, I'm on the Haldeman Tract, which was given to Indigenous people, and uh, but, <laughs> but they never got it. The other people took it over, and so sa- so sorry, too bad. Uh, and and a good part of British Columbia, almost all of British Columbia, at one point was unceded land. It never was treated, and uh, and people just assumed that they could do what they wanted uh, uh, according to the rules and laws of the colonizers. And I mean, people have discovered in British Columbia that they're on land that they they do not own, and, and they never never had possession of it. It was taken from Aboriginal people, and their Aboriginal people and Indigenous people are really saying, "You took our land, and we never said yes." You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, is this or how bad a play is this? Is this a bad play for uh, Aaron O'Toole and McKay? Uh, to or, or conservatives in general to keep this, as you put it, con- conquest model because it seems that we're in a land of extremes. Either it's a conquest model, or it's all the environments uh, environmentalists are standing up for the small portion of wet sweat and hereditary chiefs who are against this. Where's the common ground? Where's the middle? Where are the well, Ella, where are the Ellis Rosses here who who have found the solution? But nobody's listening. Uh, they're not letting them govern themselves. Instead, politicians are taking it for their own agenda as are uh, special interest groups I, 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 th- I think that happens and you get extreme voices and there are extreme voices and there are uh, there are people who hate capitalism and and see this as a way of destroying capitalism there are people who uh, will say uh, uh, Canada was built on criminality and so we have to expunge criminality from our society, so we have to destroy Canada. There are people who think that way. But the great majority of Canadians don't think that way. And, and the political leaders will realize, as they have realized in the past, that, that when we have these moments of confrontation, that then you, you really have to have a focused and serious and sustained discussion about the issues and try to find common ground. I, I see inklings of that happening last weekend in British Columbia. Um, are we happen? are we making ground here? Do you get the feeling that Canadians are are understanding this from a different lens, Peter? It, it, it's so it is so often the case that there's a big generational divide, and and my line is fifty years, and and I, Scott, I won't go into great detail, but I've discovered that there's various jokes I tell that people over the age of 50 think are hilarious, and people under 50 <laughs> look at me with increasing skepticism as they get younger. My audience, and I, I'm, I'm blessed with uh, knowing people in their 30s and 20s, and I've recounted what's happened, and they, <laughs> they say, well, Peter, 
thank God you're still learning. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I do think that there has been a big generational uh, shift. Uh, and older people, and I'm 76, so, but I, I think I'm pretty attuned to lots of things. Uh, however, I, I recognize that old phrases, old jokes, um, observations uh, are, are not appreciated in the same way as my age group does compared to younger people. And, um, and so there has been a shift, and it's certainly, certainly on gra- grounds of equality, uh, people have no patience for what they see is discriminatory attitudes, younger people. And younger people also, I think, uh, um, the school system has been addressing this and their, and their general discussions are making the point that, that uh, Indigenous people have suffered mightily mm. under, under Canada. Now, are, are we the uh, best or worst in the world? Well, I don't know. We're certainly higher up, but we're not, uh, we're, we're not the worst. But, you know, the water situation is deplorable. Yeah. Uh, people have been waiting... In uh, for 30 years yeah. for a full-throated resolution of the issues involving Indigenous people uh, and uh, non-Indigenous people. Uh, we have been putting it on the back burner. Yet when I listen to conservative politicians, they're, 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 the only thing they can talk about is the rule of law and so on and so on and so on. And I, I you know, they, they go through the symbolic dance of recognizing the need reconciliation but we have to get to substance yeah and indigenous people have been waiting a long time for the meat and potatoes peter wollstonecroft has been with us retired professor of political science university of waterloo peter as always thanks so much for the time much appreciated you're welcome bye the scott thompson show weekdays from noon to three on 900 chml